Good morning, my people. I love you. Oh my goodness, it's so good to be here and to see some of your beautiful faces. Some of you I don't know, that's quite all right. You're probably better off not knowing me. Uh, but those of you who've had to endure me for a long time, you can't get rid of me. I'm like a bad fungus or something that keeps coming back, you know? It's so good to see you. If you uh, remember it all, which you probably don't, but that's all right. I remember one of the last times I ever stood on this stage, I was getting married to my beautiful wife. Had an ama- see, I'm rejoicing, I'm celebrating. And then we took off and uh, went and did a ministry school in Nashville. And then we went across the world to say, God, where do you want to use us? Where can we serve you? And we ended up landing in Ramstein, Germany, which few of you might know what that is. That is a uh, United States Air Force Base location. One of the largest concentrations of America outside of America live there. So we don't feel like missionaries. Honestly, uh, I still talk about SEC football in my messages sometimes for all the Southerners that are there. Uh, so we just feel like we're Americans living in, in uh, Europe. It's fantastic. We went away too, though, and we came back as four. We have uh, done our job to be fruitful and multiply. Um, this is our uh, two, Addie and Ella. Uh, Ella's the oldest. We have two under two. You can imagine what that life is like. You notice I'm, this is getting a little thin too now as well because of that. And uh, this is not, I mean, this is near our house. So yes, this is what life looks like, but not when you have kids under two. Uh, life looks more kind of like that. That's what, that's what life looks like. So, but it's so, so, so good to be here this morning. And I hope that our time together is encouraging. I hope that I can bring uh, the message of God this morning to really uplift your souls again and and focus our eyes on Jesus Christ. Because I'm here to tell you today that he's not dead, he's alive, and he's working and moving all around the world. I am here to testify of what I've seen and heard God do. And in that process, hopefully bring some encouragement and some excitement and passion in your soul to continue to join the work that he's doing around the world. I know some of you watch too much news. Don't do that. You'll get the bad report. I'm telling you, come here to tell you about the good report, what God is doing around the world. This morning, a bold statement that you need to know is that you are part of a movement, a part of one of the greatest tidal waves in human history. A revival has broken out across the world, and more people are getting saved right now in our day and age than ever in human history. That's what's going on. Stop watching the news. If you watch the news, you're not going to believe that. But if you look at what God's doing underneath the surface, you know that you're going to get to be a part, and we get to join in with the massive revival that is sweeping across, across the globe. You know, Jesus kind of warned us about this in Matthew 24. He said, you're going to hear rumors of war, or you're going to hear about wars and rumors of wars, but the end has not yet come. The gospel will be preached throughout the whole earth, and then I will come. Gang, I think we're living in that day and age right now. We're hearing about wars and rumors of wars. You watch the news, but the gospel is being preached around the world. And I want to give you a few numbers to kind of show this, stand this point out. Ernie introduced me to a group called the Traveling Team uh, when I was here. Showed it to our college group one time. They came and spoke. But according to them and several other church statistic websites you can find out there, you can see that the gospel is spreading like crazy. Today alone, today alone, 
It's estimated that 260,000 people will hear the gospel for the first time ever. Is that, is that hitting your heart? 260,000 people will hear the gospel for the first time today. That's 94 million this year. The church is alive and well. God is moving across the world. Out of that, they estimate about 174,000 will receive Christ today. Today. This week, 3,500 new churches will be started. We are living in one of the best times in history ever. Do you believe that? Did you know that? Let's break it down a little bit further than that. You hear about this country called China. You hear on the news that they're our rival, our competitive rival or, you know, uh, political rival. But in China, what God is doing under the scenes is that about 30,000 people a day are responding to the gospel. 30,000 a day. That's staggering. I wouldn't have even hardly believed that, but I was in Hong Kong last year and got to meet some of the house church planters and movers of this movement, and they can confirm God is moving like crazy in China. Actually, they're going to overtake the U.S. in more Christians in a nation by 2025 at this pace. Hey, you know what? Let's start some uh, healthy competition for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Why not we, let's not let them beat us in the amount of Christians in their country. What if we were to wake up and have a good, healthy brother-sister com- uh, competition that they don't surpass us with the number of Christians? We need to get, get to it, don't we? 30,000 a day. Uh, there is also, out of that 30,000, there is a uh, uh, movement now called Back to Jerusalem where some of the leaders are trying to raise up one million missionaries to take the gospel from China all the way to Israel and pass every country in there. And they're doing it. So much so that they've created a, a book in Farsi and uh, they're flooding uh, Iran with the New Testament gospel. It even caught the attention of uh, some of their crazy leadership. And they held up that book. One of the Ayatollahs held up this red leather book that the Chinese uh, uh, believers have been writing and printing in Farsi and sending, um, shipping secretly into Iran. And he said, do not read this book on national TV. That's like telling a kid, don't touch that red button. Right? God's even using the leadership unknowingly to spread the gospel. And right now, even in Iran, they're seeing ex- uh, uh, astounding growth of secret churches all over the place. Some statistics say that 20 years ago, there was less than 5,000 believers. And now they're uh, estimating that right now in Iran, there's over 500,000 believers. That's pretty awesome. You, you didn't hear that, did you, in the news? You didn't know that, did you? It's phenomenal. Let me tell you one more that's going on. Africa. In Africa, it is the first continent, not country, continent, to become the majority Christian in a single century. In the last 100 years, the one billion people that live in that continent, over half of them have come, believe, uh, come to know Christ. 25,000 new believers per day make the growth of that church. I would not believe it had I not met the leadership that's of one single ministry that's doing crusades. There's just one ministry in Africa that's doing crusade work in Africa for the last 40 years. And we met the leadership in Israel of all places and got to hear testimonies. And I want to show you just one video of what is happening right now in Africa.
them rise from their deathbeds, from hospital beds. Every request shall be fulfilled in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you believe that, shout hallelujah. Christ, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess of things in heaven, on earth, and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Say amen. I heard she had sickle cell. Yeah, sickle cell anemia. So she couldn't do this before. No more pain. No more pain. No more. You can feel it. guess what? We get to be a part of that work. We get to join with them and do the same thing. But I know sometimes in the West, it's hard to believe that, isn't it? When we watch the news and we see all sorts of things and evil happening in the world, we get discouraged. And I'm here to tell you today that God is at work to encourage you. Let's continue what he's doing. You know what? We got to go back to the beginning though. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. All this stuff that God's doing around the world, this was promised. This was promised that he would do a work that even the gates of hell could not stand against. And Matthew chapter 16, verse starting verse 13, he's talking to his disciples. And he tells them this exact phrase. He says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, well, some say that you're John the Baptist and others, Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but my father in heaven. And I tell you now that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Say that with me. The gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail. 
If that's the only thing I can encourage you with, is to take us, maybe if we've been troubled or downhearted and it feels like the gates of hell are prevailing, let's stop and look back at Jesus' words. He promised the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. That's good news. That's what we need to hear today and be reminded of this morning because oftentimes we don't remember that, do we? We forget. We get discouraged. We get distracted. We get hurt in life. And it kind of feels like sometimes we might even be losing. But I'm here to remind you this morning, we're not. Jesus is still on the throne. He's still king. And he's still going to see his church grow and work. And he just needs us to join him. I want to show you a few things this morning in the scripture. I want to show you three ways we as a church, as his body of believers, can live in such a way that the gates of hell cannot overcome us that we can prevail against the gates of hell. Funny enough, Jesus actually talks about this scripture. He takes his disciples on a little bit of a road trip to Caesarea Philippi. And in that area right there, there was a cave in the rock. And it was kind of this idea that in that, this, this hole, this cave in the ground, that that's actually what led to the gates of hell. That was, that was the, the, uh, the location of where the God Pan served and that that's where the gates of hell were. So it's ironic that Jesus decides, you know what? I'm going to take these guys on a field trip. And the thing that they fear most, we're going to go and see. And I'm going to tell them right here at this spot where people think the gates of hell are, I'm telling you that even death, hell, cannot stop what I'm about to do. And now we see it. And now as a church, we need to walk in it. So three things we need to overcome the gates of hell. First off, we need the fullness of God. We need to be united in the Spirit and we need the power of God. Let's look at this first, the fullness of God. Where am I getting this from? Turn to Ephesians, if you will. Ephesians chapter 3. This is Paul's prayer for his church, the, the people he loved, the time he put blood, sweat, and tears into. And in chapter 3, he wants them to know the secret of the fullness of God. How many want the fullness of God? That kind of sounds like a cool phrase, yeah? You know, the fullness of God in your life? God, I want to be full of God, right? Well, let's look at what he says, starting uh, chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, for this reason being, why am I suffering for the gospel, which is actually advancing? It's for your good and benefit. For this reason, don't be discouraged. Then so for your discouragement, I kneel before the Father, on whom his whole family in, her, in heaven and earth derive its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ Jesus. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. That's a cool phrase. You might want to underline that one right there. So that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Is that anyone's desire today? I want that. God, please fill me up. Get rid of me and fill me up with you, with your joy, your passion, your hope, your, your love. 
So how does someone get full of the fullness of God? Well, look again right there at that, that verse. He tells us. He says, I want you by the power of the Spirit to know inside of your inner being, your inner man. I want you to know in your heart how much God loves you. His emphasis to have the fullness of God is to know the love of Christ. I want you to know how high, how wide, how deep his love is. I want you to experience it, to know it, to experience this love that surpasses knowledge so that when you begin to know his love, then you'll begin to be full with the fullness of God. You'll be filled with the fullness when you really understand and realize the love that God has for you. It's that simple. It's like somebody's preached this message before. God loves you. Imagine that. That's the message. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He loves you so much. And when we begin to realize how deep and high his love is for us, that's when we start understanding the fullness, being filled with the fullness of God. My wife and I have been on a, on a journey the last five years to, to really wanting to know deeper, wanting to go deeper in God's love for us. I mean, we knew it. We grew up in the church, understand it. I could quote you all the scripture. But everybody knows there's a difference between knowing it and knowing it. Yes? There's a difference between knowing it and knowing it, that God loves you. And if that's all you get this morning, I just want you to hear God loves you. God loves you. God, God is crazy about you. He doesn't just love you, he likes you. He's crazy about you. God loves you. He carries a picture with you in his pocket and shows all his friends. That sounds a little silly, doesn't it? Why? You do that. How many of you got kids and grandkids? Yes? How many of you carry pictures of them around with you somewhere and you just show everybody? I got to show you, right? I got my iPhone ready. And every time I meet people, I'm like, here's my children right here, right? My mom posts more uh, uh, Facebook photos of my children than I do, right? Because grandma loves her grandbabies. Amen. Come on. (laughs) Testify, right? You love them, and you love them so much you boast about them. You brag about them. You know what? If we who are evil know how to love that well, how much more does God know how to love? I wonder how many times he does, figuratively, but why not? God takes a photo of you around to Peter, James, and John. Oh, man, have you seen them? Have you seen this? Oh, my gosh, I love them. I love them. I carry this everywhere I go. Have, you, have I told you about my child today? Let me tell you about him. Oh, I love them. Yeah, I mean, they've got a little out of sorts every now and then and things like that, but you know what? I don't even care. I love them so much. I'm going to forgive that too. I love them. I love them. Why not? God loves us like that. We are just but a mirror, a dimly lit mirror to reflect how God, much God loves us. We're just scratching surfaces. Actually, look at what it says. It says this, I want you to know this love that actually surpasses knowledge. You can't even understand how much God loves you, but you can begin to start. You can begin to know it. I think we're going to get to heaven, and we're not, gonna, we're not even going to be able to stand up. We're, not, we're just going to fall on the floor because his love is going to be so overwhelming we won't even be able to get ourselves off the floor until he comes up and hell says, come here, child, I love you. I, that's just a theory of mine, but I think, I think that's how it's going to be. He loves us that much. And a church that's going to overcome the powers of hell has to know how much God loves them. 
You have to be connected to it. You have to know within your heart. And that love's got to change you. It's like being run over by a Mack truck. You should be different when you know how much God loves you. And you know where you can find that at? Right there at that cross. You know how much, how high, how deep, how wide his love is. Not by your circumstances and your situations. If you want to know how much God loves you, he demonstrated it for us by hanging his son on a tree. That's all you got to remember today. Right now, maybe things are not going well, but God loves you so much that he, he put his son on a cross for you. That's the depth of his love. That's how he demonstrated how much he loves us. That's what we need to hold on to and remember. So I encourage you with that. If we're going to be a church that overcomes the gates of hell and sees us advance the kingdom of God, then we have got to know how much God loves us. Number two, what else do we need? We must also be unified in the Spirit. Just a little bit further down, 4 verse 3, he goes on and he says this, As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Some of, some of us might need to read that one over right now. You got in the car this morning, and you were not bearing with one another in love, all right? This is what Paul calls us to. In verse 3, he says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. If we are going to stand a chance against the gates of hell, against Satan himself, we have to be united. We have to be one body with one heart, one vision, one mind, and that's of Jesus. We're not going to stand if we do this alone. Lone sheep get picked off. Satan's really good at picking us off when we're by ourselves. But we've got to be together in this, united. Look at the adjective he has to use here. My, my translation says, make every effort Others of you might say, make, be zealous about this. Be determined. Endeavor. Be speedy. The translation you can also define this as, be speedy acting quickly to be united. He has to can put a, a, an adjective in front of this unitedness. He says, you have to make every effort to be united. Now, why does Paul gotta have to say that kind of adjective? Why didn't you say, hey, Guys, and by the way, just be united and keep going. I think he's got to put a good adjective in there for us because he knows the struggle it is to stay united. He knows that we give up really quickly. He knows that we're prone to treating others as they treat us. Anybody else struggle with that? Anyone? Okay, we've got a few people in there. I, I do. But Jesus said, what, what do he say? The golden rule. Treat others as you want to be treated, right? To love one of the things he said the very last night he died, he says, it's by your love that they're going to know that you're my disciples. It's by your love for each other. Husbands, love your wives so that your children may know what love really is, so they can know who Jesus is through your love for them. Parents, children, church family, he's also talking about here at the church, how do you make every effort. Every effort. Not a half-hearted effort. Not just a try. You're supposed to make every effort to keep the unity because God knows that the gates of hell cannot stand against a united church. It can't. The gates of hell cannot stand against a united church that does it together, that lives life together, that cares for each other, that loves one another, and goes and does his kingdom work together. Actually, in Philippians chapter 1, he testifies to this 
to the Philippians who were also needing to be reminded of the same things in verse 27 of chapter 1. He says this, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending, fighting together as one man for the faith, for the gospel, without being frightened by any of those who oppose you. This will be a sign to them. What will be a sign to them? Your love for each other, your unity with each other, your fighting with each other together, not fighting against each other. You're going to fight with each other together. It will be a witness to them that they will be destroyed and you will be saved. It will testify to the world that there's something different. And they will know what is going on here. People will know when the church is unified that they've got to get, they got to get, get right or get left. It's going to reveal to them something that they can't, that's, if it's united, they're going to know that God is at work in their midst. Lastly, what does the church need? It needs to know the love of Christ. The church has to also be united together. But the church also, if it's going to overcome the gates of hell, it's got to walk in the power of God. It must walk in the power of God. Does anybody believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Yes? Anybody believe that he told his disciples the same works I do, you're going to do? Anyone? Anyone read that, that scripture in Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 8? or sorry, 116, where it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Yes? We need gospel power, and we need Holy Spirit power. The gospel itself, the good news of Jesus Christ, that he loves you, that he'll take away all your sins if you'll just surrender your life to him, that he'll forgive you, it's got power in it because it's about Jesus. Because you're talking about Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus, it has power. We need in our churches gospel power. We need people who will preach the gospel. Not the preacher, the people. The preacher's job is only to help people get excited about Christ and go talk about him. And that's what's happening around the world. We're seeing all these people get saved because people are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I've got to ask you, if this wave has not hit the United States yet, whose fault is that? God's or the church's? Whose fault is it? God's doing work everywhere else, and people are getting saved by the hundreds of thousands, by millions this year. 94 million estimated will come to Christ. China's got it. What's happening with America? Why are more people not getting saved? Is it God's fault or the churches? Because the churches is not taking the gospel out. We've got to go tell people that God loves them. We have to tell them that. But first, we've got to know how much he loves us. When you get filled with God's love, you can't help talking about it. You love your kids. You talk about them all the time. When you really know how much God loves you, it's going to overflow out of your mouth. You can't help talking about it. It's going to be amazing. But we also need the power of the Holy Spirit as well. We, we, need, a little, we need a little right hook with our left hook. We need the power of the Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You know what? Romans 8 tells us that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. Anybody know that? Do you know that? Can I tell you, I, I've sat here for a long time and I'd read verses like that and say, no, I didn't know that. I, I, I didn't get it yet. It hadn't sunk in. I, went, I, didn't, I knew it, but I didn't know it. When you begin to know it, woo, watch out, Satan. 
Watch out when a church begins to know that they've got God living inside of them. Watch out, people at work, your coworkers, when they realize God has walked in the scene because God lives here. And so wherever you go, God goes. Wherever you go, his kingdom comes. Yes? If you would get that, we'll change the United States of, of America again. They will know when the Holy Spirit changes us. And you know what? He likes to do some things called healing, saving, and delivering as well. An example of this power I'm talking about is also the power to heal. And I want to show you something that happened four weeks ago to my wife, who all she did was go up and ask a friend of ours on this tour group we were with of Israel, hey, do you have some Advil? My back hurts. And he says, you know what? I don't have any Advil, but can I do something else? Can I pray for you? Let me show you what happened. Okay. Can you, can Are you, you sitting see? straight back, babe? Are you sitting straight back? Good gracious. Yes, right yeah, it's shorter by, look it. Yeah. Here, film down here. Film down here this way. Oh, I can also see you it. See it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you see that? Now watch. Watch. He's just going to grow it out. You're going to see it grow an inch. Yes. Yeah, if you film it from the top, it's better. Okay. So get right on it. You ready? Yep. I got Watch it. this. In Jesus' name. Yeah, I got it. Right I right commend the right leg. Grow right now. Yes, Come on, guys. Right leg, grow in Jesus' name. And match the other one. Right now. Right leg, grow. Did you feel something? Because it's doing it. I don't feel it, but I see it. It's perfect. It's perfect. Are you seeing that? Yeah, I got it. Look at this miracle. Hallelujah. Jesus. Oh, he heals. He saves. He delivers. Amen. <laughs> Come here. Come Come on. God is amazing. God's doing work like that all over the world. And we can do that. We can pray for people too because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Why am I wearing this crazy t-shirt? Because i got to remind myself when I get up in the morning to stop cowering down to the gates of, of hell. Stop being worried about people's opinion and start doing what Christ told us to do. Matthew chapter 10, he told his disciples to do this. He told them to go preach the kingdom of the gospel of Jesus. And he told them to go heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. So they will know that what we say is real. Chapter 10 of Matthew, and we're ending here. Do not go to the Gentiles in the entire uh, areas of Samaria. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is here. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. The desire of evangelism, the way Jesus designed it, was the message met with the power and people's lives would be changed. They'd be set free. How many would like to do evangelism like that? Next youth group trip. Next, next mission trip. We're going to save, heal, and deliver. We're going to go pray for the sick and see them get healed. Right here in this very place, up in that corner, the first person that I ever prayed for and saw them get healed was a young man in our youth group. And I was just tired of reading this Bible. This is why, this is why I prayed for him. I was tired of reading this Bible and not seeing what was on paper in my life. I was tired of it. I'm like, God, I read this Bible over and over, and God, all this stuff happens. This amazing stuff happens. The book of Acts. God, it happens here. God, I want to see this happen here. So I started praying for a young man, and my friend Woody Allman right there sitting with me, we prayed for Spencer. Spencer had a shoulder issue right here. And so we prayed. You know what? Nothing happened. 
come, come on, God. Like, I'm frustrated with God, right? Probably not okay, but I'm just getting angry. I'm like, God, I'm, I'm tired of reading this and nothing happened, not seeing your power. So I'm like, can we, listen, we're going to do it again. We're going to pray again. Nothing happens. Just, come on, you know? And then that verse comes to my mind, uh, John chapter 14, verse 12. Anything you ask in my name will be done for you for the glory of God the Father. And so I just prayed that prayer. So God, I ask right now in the name of Jesus, be healed shoulder so that God can get glory. Right now, Father God, get glory. God, right now, through this. You know what? Heat ran down his arm. He started moving his shoulder like this. All the pain left. And two weeks later, we had 20-something kids get healed one way or the other. Elbows, shoulders, knees, and toes. Getting healed. Guess what? It's, it's a little exciting when you see that stuff happen to believe, wow, God's real. It's amazing. And the church that's going to overcome the gates of hell has got to start walking back in this power again to show people that he is real. We need some more Elijahs in this room. People that say, you know what? You pray to your God and I'll pray to mine. Let's see what happens. Story of Baal, the prophets of Baal. You pray to your God, I'll pray to mine. Guess what? I know my God's going to answer me. We got to start increasing our faith and praying for people and showing them that Jesus is real. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to stop, stop, uh, stop talking and start praying. So everybody just, just stand up. I'm going to have the band come on out. They're there. There they are. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. And God, now, God, my talk, Lord God, is only as good as you allow yeah, you to use my words, Jesus, for your truth. And so I'm praying for every heart in here, whether I said something that is uh, uh, for them today or not, God, I'm praying for every heart in here to be encouraged, God, right now. And Holy Spirit, we're asking you to move. God, your kingdom come, God, and your will be done right now. So, Father God, I pray for some hearts this morning that I know that are grieved and heavy. And, Father God, I ask you to bring freedom, God, and release of tension, God, and bring some healing to their hearts, God. God, some people have been carrying some things for a long time. God, heal them right now. God, would you draw close to them right now? God, whatever has been spoken against them, I cancel that, Lord Jesus. God, they are your children. God, help them to believe what you've told them about themselves already in your scripture more than what somebody else has said to them, more than what mom or dad said about them or some friend said about them. God, help them to believe what you say about them. Father God, I just pray, God, again, I just, mm, that sense, Lord God, that just, just wait. God, to be released today. Freedom would come, God, right now. God, people would come, God, to be drawn to you, God. Even this morning, God, this altar's open, God. They would come and lay their burdens back at your feet, God. They would believe you. Jesus, they would believe that you said you can do what you say you can do and that we would believe that we can do now what you say we can do. So, Father, this morning, God, would you help us to lay, God, anything that still feels like the gates of hell are winning down at the altar, God, and remember that you are God. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, God, with that, I also ask, God, that you would heal people this morning. God, from sickness, God, from pain, God, anything that physically, any ailments, Jesus, God, we're asking for your love to come in, God, right now, and the power of your spirit, God, and bring healing. Jesus, come. I gotta ask right now, if you've got pain in your body that you can uh, think on a scale of one to 10, it hurts this much, eight, nine, 10. Think about that number. If you can feel pain in your body right now, think about that number. I am, Holy Spirit, I'm gonna step out on a big time faith ledge. Jesus, and I ask you to come right now, God, for anybody who can sense pain in their body, 
I ask you to release healing right now. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Pain, go away. You got it right now. God, body, be healed in Jesus' name. Backs come into alignment. Be freed again. Feet be healed. Arthritis be gone. And I ask you right now, God, to bring healing. God, your healing power, God, right now in the name of Jesus, God. God, I'm going to be so bold to ask. If you... <laughs> God, everybody close their eyes, so if nothing happens. No, I'm asking, God, if you felt the pain go down, if you could say it was an eight and now it's only a four or five or six, will you just wave at me? If you know any pain went down, come on. Come on, I see hands in the back. All right, raise your hand high. Raise your hand high. Okay, everybody around them, lay a hand on them right now. If you see their hand up, put a hand on them and just say, more, Lord. Right here, more, Lord. That's all right. Look, you just lay hands on the sick. We're going to have elders that are going to come down here. And they just said, guess what, Elijah? He was just a man. You pray now. You pray for people. And the prayers of a righteous man will avail us much. So more, God. Got a pain that's being released. More. Got it right now. In the name of Jesus. Got all gone. Zero. Got it from if it's 10, zero right now. I got to ask you again, if it's, if it's going down more, raise your hand. We just wave at me. Anybody else is going down a little bit more or it's all gone. Anybody come in here with anything that's all gone? I see a few hands in the back. Yeah, oh, come on. Really? Really? Yeah, I'm kind of like that. Yeah, come on, God. More, Lord. We're going to have our prayer team up here. I'll pray for you as well. We're going to sing a worship song. I want to just tell you, cast your cares up to Jesus. The altar's open. The prayer team will be up here as well. Let's pray for you this morning. If you still got a pain in your body, come on. I want to pray for you. In Jesus' name, amen.